You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 90, Kung Fu Panda! How to Train Your Dragon Warrior. Be sure to vote for the Animation Addicts Podcast at podcastawards.com. We have been nominated for two podcast awards. This is a huge honor. We are so thrilled and excited to have been nominated. We are nominated in the categories of Best Produced and Movies slash Film. You can vote every single day until March 24th, so be sure to vote. If we win, we are going to do listener choice episodes through the end of 2015. Yeah, so all those movies that you guys have always wanted us to do, we're going to do them. So make sure to vote every single day at podcastawards.com. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We're your hosts, the Terrific Three, Morgan Stradling, Chelsea Robson, and Mason Smith. Oh, so grasshopper. Thank you for having us here. Yes, that, that will be enough of those. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I know this is supposed to be our culturally sensitive episode. Yeah. <laughs> Throw all hate at Chelsea, everyone. Uh, yes. Just kidding. No, you should be allowed to try other accents. It makes us grow, right? right. <laughs> it makes us. All right. So we are the Rotoscopers, and you, like I said, you're listening to the Animation Addicts podcast because we are animation addicts. We're obsessed with animation in all forms, and this show is devoted to our love of animated films. So each episode, we review an animated film, past or present, and this time we are reviewing the 2008 film from DreamWorks, Kung Fu Panda. So this is actually the first time that we've done, maybe not the first time, but we're doing back-to-back DreamWorks episodes, and then after this, we're going to be doing our first sequel. Well, we've done lots of sequels, but we're going to be doing Kung Fu Panda 2 after this. Yeah. So... Breaking all sorts of molds for the rotoscopers. <laughs> we'll be all DreamWorks did out after this. Yeah, get ready, guys. We won't be doing DreamWorks for another year, so that's <laughs> <laughs> all you right. get. <laughs> I don't know. It's a fun series, and I'm and Kung Fu Panda Three is like in production now. So plus, it's like it was Chinese New Year a, a little while ago, so it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty relevant, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we're not really doing series right now, but I guess this could be a tiger series, right? Right? <laughs> or panda. Ah. <laughs> well, I well, don't know very many panda films. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> we're just doing them all. So like I said, we are going to be reviewing Kung Fu Panda. So just some general information about this film. The studio was DreamWorks. Duh. The directors were John Stevenson and Mark Osborne. It was released June 6, 2008, and had a budget of $130 million. And so if you remember from last episode, we reviewed Shrek. And that was eight years prior. And its budget was $60 million, which I thought was pretty crazy. In just eight years, you doubled your budget plus some but that's okay the budget increase was worth it because it made 631.7 million dollars worldwide box office which is very very good yeah this was like a hugely successful animated film yeah i'll agree with that you had hans zimmer and john powell on the score um it's really good let's just say that um but some of the things that like really strike me about it were like there's not a lot of middle ground. It's either like crazy in your face or it's very smooth and melodic and Chinese esque. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish there was a little bit more of a, of a, of a middle ground. It might have made editing this episode a little bit easier <laughs> because otherwise it's just going to be like a lot of in your face when it comes out. But definitely if you guys have a chance, go over and listen to it, buy it on iTunes. We have the link to buying that in the show notes as well. It's worth it. It's really, it's fun. I love anything with Hans Zimmer and John Powell. Make it fantastic. Yeah. Also, you know, there was a little bit of, a little bit of interesting factoid about this movie. Now this one definitely won its fair share of awards it was nominated for basically every award out there, but there was only like one place where it really got its show. As far as the Academy Awards, that same year in 2009, Wally took the Best Animated Feature Film of the Year, and the nominees were Bolt and Kung Fu Panda. And those really were the highlights of 2008. Sorry, Madagascar <laughs> 2 and Horton Hears a Who. Um, hey. <laughs> 
But there was a lot of drama that came out of the Annie Awards. Now, Ooh, tell us. Well, Ooh, one, I love drama. One really interesting thing is Academy Awards recently have gotten a lot of flack about how when people in the industry don't really take animated films seriously is what the a lot of the the scuttlebutt is basically and they a lot of the people they'll interview afterwards after they made their votes and like why they pick certain movies and there's been a lot of people who are like eh my kids liked that one so I watched it and so I voted for it you know and not having watched all of them or whatever. There's been a lot of that going on the past two years in the Academy Awards. But if you rewind the clock back to 2009, the Annie Awards had the most drama. In 2009, DreamWorks Kung Fu Panda actually swept the Annie Awards. And it was like an overwhelming defeat against Wally, and which was totally shut out of the category. And there's one animator, Bill Plinton, who himself was a recipient of the Annie Awards Lifetime Achievement Award, or the ASIFA's Lifetime Achievement Award, and he criticized the organization's voting practices, and he said, I think Jeffrey Katzenberg, who knows a good publicity opportunity when he sees it, bought out the ASIFA Hollywood members for his entire studio, and then told them to vote for on the party line. The unfortunate reality is that it feels like the elections were rigged and they were bought. What a travesty. Up until this point, how you got into being a voter in the Annie Awards is you just paid for a spot. And something that DreamWorks was doing was just like every person who worked for the company was given a free voting card, basically. (laughs) And so there was a lot of drama that came with this. This is what incited Disney to eventually boycott the awards, right? Yeah. So the next year, Ed Catmull was like, I ain't having this unless you guys change everything, which they did. They ended up going through and and making it so you had to be like a certain status in order to vote. But yeah. Yeah, that's actually really unfortunate. But but good for the same time. I mean... It is business, and business is going to exploit weaknesses in the market for financial gain. (laughs) Obviously, sweeping the Annie Awards would do great things for How to Train Your Panda. No. (laughs) That would be an amazing movie. This movie was kind of How to Train Your Panda. (laughs) But obviously, that would do amazing things for Kung Fu Panda. However, you know, it's very disappointing and sad that that happened, but because it did allow the process to be revamped, the voting process to be made more fair. Uh, I think it is a good thing. Um, I do really wish that we could see something like that in the Academy Awards today, just with re- regards to the, an- well, not just animation suffers from this. It seems there's been widespread um, distaste, I guess, for the, the process, how it's currently evolved, but particularly animation. I, w- I would like to see just something change in that because it seems to be not working. But yeah, I think the Academy Awards, as far as animation is concerned, is a lost cause. Pretty <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it needs to be kind of reworked. I feel like there's plenty of animated films out there that are are art forms, but don't don't get the popularity they deserve. I don't know. I don't want to be like really cynical or jaded about this, but you know, there there's merchandising and a lot of you know big marketing stuff, so that people go out and see this film and get excited about it. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's that, the little guys that don't. Yeah, that same year, um, it was Slumdog Millionaire took most of the awards. Um, as far as oh, live action it goes, it was, yeah, it was a great film. But the thing is, like, I never would have gone to see it had it not gotten so much press and attention in the awards, you know? So mm. it's definitely a way to boost your numbers and get people talking about it and just getting it in the air. So it was just a frailty in the system. <laughs> I don't know. I still think this is a good film. I don't think it was right that it was kind of a scummy way of winning the Annie Award for it, but. How to Train Your Panda would be amazing. <laughs> it really would. Seriously. The pandas hiccup. We hate pandas. <laughs> what if there's a good panda, Dad? In a land of tradition and honor, one kung fu master, let's get started, has trained five of the greatest warriors the world has ever known. But this master's biggest challenge has just arrived. I'm coming! Stairs. Jack Black. Go ahead, Panda. Show us what you can do. 
Um, are they going to watch, or should I just wait until I get back to work or something? Just hit it. Get ready to feel the thunder. Come out with crazy feet. What are you going to do about crazy feet? I'm a blur. I'm a blur. you never seen bear style. Would you hit it? How's that? Everybody was Are you ready? I was born ready. Oh! Can I punch through walls? Can I do a quadruple backflip? Focus. Focus. That flabby panic is not the warrior. You just need to believe. Oh, that was awesome. Let's go again. This June, when you focus on Kung Fu, you suck. The way to get through to you is with this. Have a dumpling. DreamWorks Kung Fu Panda. You have done well, Panda. Done well? <laughs> I've done awesome! Oof. Yes, you have done awesome. <laughs> Alright, so I remember watching the previews for this film, and um, I was really excited about it because I was really interested in the concept of Jack Black, like, doing an animated movie because this came right on the heels of nacho libre i think mm -hmm. yes which really <laughs> really cemented jack black into that kids movie thing you know i mean after that like tenacious d was kind of history <laughs> he, he uh was hosting the nickelodeon choice awards yeah. yeah school of rock all that stuff and so this kind of took his career in a different direction but um i think that jack black was perfect for this role yes i think he was the only one that could have been poe he actually did win for the Kids' Choice Award Best Actor in an Animated Film. <laughs> oh, good for him. Aw, so talented. Jack, you won it, but you're also the host, so <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you want to do about that. Anyway. So I don't remember the first time that I saw this movie, but I do remember seeing it. I do remember being excited for it, and I just remember just loving this movie altogether. Um, and even watching it this time around, it's just like, man, this is such a good movie. I need to watch this more. And it's the same reaction I sort of had with Shrek. I love Shrek, and I remember how great it was. And, you know, watching these DreamWorks movies that are so incredible, I mean, it gives me so much respect for the studio and some of the great, like, initial concepts that they had. I think DreamWorks definitely suffers from overextending a good thing. How to Train Your Dragon, amazing. Shrek, amazing. Kung Fu Panda, amazing. Madagascar, amazing. Like those initial concepts like are so good. And then they just milk it and milk it and milk it. And it just becomes kind of like worse and worse and worse. Some, sometimes better, sometimes, yeah. Come on, Kung Fu Panda it, it 2 fades. is good. We shall see. We'll we can do right. that next episode. Right. <laughs> but what do you guys think? With the exception of Madagascar, I thought you were right. Madagascar well, for I me. Just said that everyone else loves Madagascar. I don't necessarily love it. But no, but that's what I'm saying. Like the number three, when we went and saw number three of Madagascar, we're like, I actually like that one. <laughs> like the other ones I didn't like, but the number three of Madagascar, I was like, this was good. The polka dotted afro was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. And I think, you know, I have so much respect for DreamWorks. And I know that in the initial days, like there was a lot of like, just bad blood between Disney and DreamWorks just because of how things went down. But when you look at even just like how much talent they have and, you know, had at the time and still have there today, I just, I have a lot of respect for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this was the very first totally CG animated Kung Fu movie, you know? And it could have gone a horrible direction. I think originally they thought of a, a of a concept of a kung fu parody, but then they stopped themselves and, and thought, you know, hey, what, you know, there are good kung fu movies out there. It's, it, they're not just good to make fun of. So let's let's take it seriously and and make something that uh, that literally is a kung fu movie. And golly, the animation that they pull off for mm -hmm. this film is just amazing. Really, was. it's mind blowing. And I remember being totally into it when I when I was in theater, when I watched it in the theater. And then uh, I think I rented um, Kung Fu Panda 2 on, on Redbox. So I didn't get to see it in the theater, but like the action is really, really well done. And um, 
I don't know. I was thinking about this and talking about this to Shannon when we were watching it. Like, is it easier to choreograph and and pull off kung fu sequences with animated characters rather than live action? Like, I feel like timing wise, you can kind of achieve what you want a little better with animation. But at you the know, same it, time, it's 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 probably really different type of animation. Lots of yeah, arcs, lots of perfect timing that you got to get down. You know, it's interesting you say that because I just got done watching the um, Blu-rays with the bonus features for The Legend of Korra Book 3 and Book 4. And if you know anything about The Legend of Korra universe, it's just all martial arts. Um, waterbenders have a different style than, uh, you know, airbenders who have a different style than, you know, firebenders and whatnot. And they really talked about how they have a, a martial arts master who takes real life martial arts styles and then adapts them to each one of these tribes, I guess. And um, it was just really interesting because there was so much work that went into it that he, as an animator, had to, the animators had to look at the reference and that the, the actual martial arts guy had to know exactly what to do. And then he had to modify it for certain characters. Like if it was a new airbender who didn't know what they were doing, he had to make it seem clumsy while also being in the style. And I, it, there was just so much that went into it. I imagine that the ultimate outcome would be better because you're able to achieve things that, you know, realistically, if you had super strength and whatnot, you'd be able to do and they'd be really cool. But I think it probably takes just a little bit more timing and effort to actually achieve that outcome. That's just my perception from watching um, those bonus features on there. Yeah. The interesting thing is that with the way I thought of it was with a live action Kung Fu movie, usually you're a lot of your action revolves around a Kung Fu master, you know, a Kung Fu star. So you had Bruce Lee back in the day, you know, of course the big guys, Jackie Chan, Jet Li, um, the kid from Ong back. And, um, you know, I, I don't keep up with modern Kung Fu movies, but there's, you know, the guy from the raid, the raid Two. So like, they're the ones that kind of choreograph and, and do all these fights, but it's not like there are any Kung Fu masters who are animators, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and this wasn't a motion capture film. It's, it's very cartoony and it's very stylized, um, uh, into a cartoon style. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, they still pulled off this, this level of authenticity that, that just blew me away. And that's why you absolutely must do research so that your film, your short story, your game, whatever is believable. Like, doesn't matter if you're a student who's just working on like a 30 second short or if you're a Hollywood director, like you must do your research or else, uh, you know, audiences just aren't going to hold on to what you're showing them. And not only did the directors study martial arts, but the animators also took uh, several hours of Kung Fu lessons to get the feel for the action. And then like you were saying, Morgan, about the legend of Korra, how um, there are different separate fighting, distinct fighting styles for um, different groups of people or characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Furious Five, um, as animals, they each use the kung fu style that's named after their their animal species. Oh, that's interesting. So literally praying mantis style for praying mantis and then crane style, uh, tiger. And then uh, Poe uses bear style uh, when he finally kind of gets his crap together against Tai Long there at the end. <laughs> Before that, he had no style. <laughs> but uh, what's cool is that I don't know. I was just totally engrossed by the Kung Fu action action from the beginning, um, especially with that really cool intro. Yes. I love that intro. I think that is one of the things that stands out most. That This is probably the only moment I remember in theaters just being blown away by the animation in the opening sequence. That was actually done by James Baxter. And James Baxter, you might know, he's a, a Disney animator. He animated Belle. He was, you know, an assistant animator on Ariel. And he's just done all sorts of um, great Disney characters, but then went off and started his own studio. Um, I think he worked with DreamWorks for a while and then went and started his own studio. So the, the 2D animation sequence in Enchanted, that's James Baxter. Um, oh, yeah, he was because he was the main guy on Spirit, uh, Stallion of the Spirit. Cimarron. He's known for being amazing at horses. And anyways, it was just I thought it was really interesting that he was, you know, commissioned to do this opening sequence. Um, it's very stylized, uh, 2D flat, uh, almost like Samurai Jack, um, which was popular at the time. But I yeah. remember being blown away by it and, and just Not- how much I loved the way that it looked. Not to mention the 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 quotes from this awesome oh. part. <laughs> He's <Legend>. too awesome <laughs> and attractive. 
The warrior said nothing, for his mouth was full. I really it, like it. It That's, does a um, great job of just letting you know that this is going to be funny. It's not taking itself too seriously. Like, even in this dream sequence, it's, right. it's very literal with what Poe would be thinking. <laughs> well, you know, um, okay, you know the, the ox who, like, challenges him? He's like, I see you like to chew. Why yes. don't you chew on my fist? And that's uh, Wayne Knight, you know? He was, uh, you know, Al from Toy Story 2. He's Newman on Seinfeld. Ah, yes. So it's like a little hidden Wayne Knight Easter egg, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I really like it. We should hang out. Agreed. I love it. They had a lot of really funny gags in this movie. I really appreciated. A lot. And they, they made it funny and entertaining without it being a parody. Like, in some uh-huh. ways, it was a parody because it kind of made fun of a few tropes here and there. But it wasn't like Kung Pao or Kung Fu Hustle or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. They did a really <laughs> good job with, specifically, I, f- I felt like their subtle humor was fantastic. Later on, there's a part where, you know, the the praying mantis kind of like looks at him and it's just that awkward moment. And then his, his antennae like chirp and it's just like <laughs> something like that was just like perfectly timed just to add that little bit of awkward, but really funny moment. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. I love right after this dream sequence, you know, you realize Poe is a huge nerd. Mm. He's just one of those guys who like lives in his bedroom, has action figures of, you know, everything that he's obsessed with. Hey. Uh, uh, yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with that. We are Let all. Let us nerds have our action people. figures. Hey, it's us. <laughs> it's us. For real. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying he's a nerd. It's obvious. Yeah, it's true. There were several moments where I was like, I, I felt like that before. Awkward. <laughs> I love his, uh, I love his, uh, adoptive father. Oh, spoiler alert for the next film, but I think it's pretty obvious that Poe is not his, the duck's real son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I love that his, his duck dad is kind of like the most stereotypical Asian guy they could have gotten. Well, it's the same voice. You had the noodle dream. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's the same guy who does um, the Royal Vizier or whatever for oh, Mulan. Chifu, yeah. He's a woman. She'll never be worth anything. <laughs> you men owe me a new pair of slippers. <laughs> and the moment he started talking, that's all I could think about. I bring a proclamation from the imperial government. <laughs> oh, there should good. be Huns in the next, in Kung Fu Panda 3. There should be. Oh, mashup. Yeah. And dragons. That's what we should do. One of us should make a mashup of the how the Kung Fu Panda characters fighting the Huns. It'd be an excellent <laughs> crossover. Yes. If I were I'd, cool I would enough, shift that. I would do it. Very cool. And then we're introduced to the Furious Five right afterwards. Mm-hmm. They're cool. Master Shifu. Hey, so I didn't know this, but Shifu himself is a panda. He's a red panda. Uh, yes, a red panda. So I don't know why he's being so biased against ah, red panda. big old normal panda. Because he's not panda. a fat panda. He's a panda who's <laughs> actually made it in Kung Fu life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Furious Five, man. So my my only beef with this film is the Furious Five. Tell um, us more. Well, take a look at who cast them. And since apparently we're not real animation addicts, if we don't know the actors, I'm going to go over <laughs> the actors who play the, the voices of these Furious Five. So uh, Jackie Chan as Monkey, I, I guess he would be the most kung fu worthy. And then you've got like Angelina Jolie as Tigress. Uh, Crane is played by David Cross. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, I love him. <laughs> and... If you don't know why we're laughing, we're laughing because of Arrested Development. Because you, Tobias. You have Tobias. to watch Arrested Development. Oh, and so I good. currently don't have any Tobias quotes that are appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was so. just thinking the same thing. I was like, <laughs> oh, nope, can't say that. Nope. I'm afraid I should. Blue Man Group. Nope, can't do that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, Seth Rogen, who I absolutely can't stand, as Mantis. And then uh, Lucy Liu uh, plays Viper. And so you've got these big stars playing the Furious Five, but like... The film's not about the Furious Five, you know? They're like mm-hmm. the Three Musketeers. It's always about that one kid who wants to be the Three Musketeers and the actual Musketeers. But <laughs> they barely had any lines. Like, I, I read something like Jackie Chan recorded all his lines in, like, a few hours, and then he just left, you know? He didn't have that I, many lines, so... Yeah. He didn't. That's the thing, is that um, the, the stage presence of the Furious Five is not as big as Jack Black. 
like why did they need a furious five why couldn't they be a trio or a furious four you know i'm sure that would have knocked off like a million dollars off of the budget <laughs> for each of them i don't know angelina well, jolie doesn't seem that cheap i feel like with jackie chan like he was just like a staple like oh this is a kung fu moon movie we gotta get jackie chan so they just threw him in there but they didn't really give him a big role and then some of these other people yeah, that- it just seems like they needed big name actors because that's what dreamworks is all about Right, and, yeah. and I don't, I don't know why they wanted David Cross as Crane. Like, okay, David Cross is great as Crane, but like, why? You know, I'd like to sit down with the <laughs> casting guy for Kung Fu Panda and be like, why? You know, <laughs> like, why not cast someone who actually has to do with? Uh, well, Lucy Liu did Charlie's Angels two and Rush Hour, I think. But like, why didn't they cast someone like Ji Zhang, who was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and House of Flying Daggers, and? Why Seth Rogen has Mantis? Like, I really don't get... One, I don't get Seth Rogen at all. Can't stand him. But why did they put him in this movie, you know? So I guess we'll never know. Yeah, they really didn't have... doubt to whoever was the casting person. Yeah. They really didn't have much to do with it. Um, I do remember, specifically, Angelina Jolie being very highly pushed because you just had um, Tomb Raider, you know, and all those... All the movies that she's done. She was making a comeback, yeah. Yeah, and so she she was was big. She had a good year. I think I actually went thinking, oh, I'd like to hear a little bit more of Angelina Jolie in this, how she would do as a voice actor. But her as a voice actor is just very plain. Like, there's there's not a lot of, of emotion there. Mm-hmm. She just was not a very trained voice actor yet. She's probably gotten better, but at the time it wasn't fantastic. So Yeah, well, they, they expand her role a little bit in the sequel, mm-hmm. but... Um... But yeah. So anyway, I I do enjoy the Furious Five like as the as the concept and the animation. Like I think that their styles are really interesting, and all the kung fu an- action is really cool. I I love the scene where they're trying to take down Tai Lung and all that stuff. But the, but why such big voice actors? You know. But they one of them is hoping to be the Dragon Warrior. Whoa. My gosh, they say the word Dragon Warrior like well, they say the phrase. <laughs> They say the phrase Dragon Warrior like 800 times in this movie, and it's always Dustin Hoffman because he's got just that really epic sounding <laughs> voice, you know? So he's a dragon, dragon warrior. warrior. Dragon I'm interested in the origin of this Dragon Warrior. Do they uh, do they kind of talk about it? Was this something that Morgan's the... Morgan's a skeptic. The, well, was it something that the tortoise invented? No, it's what? a thousand-year-old thing. I mean, maybe the oh, tortoise yeah. was that old. But... It's a prophecy. Well, that's pretty unfortunate. <laughs> but there's always a prophecy, man. Yes, yes, it's true. And he was actually quite good. It's, it's what I love about this movie, just like skipping to the end, is that it's about like the unexpected, I guess. Like he's an unexpected hero and he's not trained in the traditional ways. Yes, he is formally trained, uh, you know, by the end, but it's not what you expect and he still gets the job done. Mm-hmm. So same thing with the, the actual scroll itself, which we will talk about when we get there. But so, yes, apparently after what, a thousand years, they decide today is the day. I mean, that would be... No wonder he clears out the, the shop. It's like, go, go to the Dragon Scroll choosing, go. Don't pay. <laughs> His dad's like, here. hey, hold on. <laughs> and I don't know, is Uguay like a thousand years old? He seems to just do some like really spontaneous things, you know? Well, like, whoop, those- Dragon Warrior, here we go. Whoop, I'm going <laughs> to die and fade away, you know? Yeah, well, those Galapagos tortoise um, they live to be over a hundred years old. And I read that in captivity, they've lived to be over 170 years old, which is Ooh. just blows my mind. Um, and so I imagine that in this cartoon universe, that that could be extended to be thousand years. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how old that guy is, but I, if that's in real life, how long they live, I can't even imagine how much he, that guy has lived in cartoon verse. Yeah. <laughs> so who's older crush or Ooglong or Oogway? Oogway. Oogway, yeah. Bo show. I mean, Crush, come on. I love his uh, character animation. Yes. He was one of my favorite characters. He's very shaky and frail, you know? Yes, it's almost as if he had Parkinson's a little bit. I love the, I love (gasps) the gag where he's, I love the gag where he's blowing out all the candles one by one. (laughs) And then he blows out a few more. And then he looks at, at Shifu and smiles. And then he goes back to blowing. (laughs) And Shifu's like, I've had enough. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's good. It's a good, uh, good little comparison between the two. Subtle it humor sets up, sets up a good relationship. Yeah. So everybody shows up at the Jade Palace for the Kung Jade Fu time. Palace. I'm in awe of those stairs. I just, 
I tried to Google to see how many stairs lead to the Jade <laughs> Temple, but or Jade Palace, and I couldn't figure it out. But holy cow, that's not even possible, even in cartoon universe. Well, the thing is, like, they have a lot of stairs in China, <laughs> so it's possible. <laughs> I'm sure there's some animator or some set dresser out there that knows exactly how many stairs they are. Well, I'm interested. That person needs to contact us. <laughs> All right. Official call out. If if you're the, the environment designer or, or <laughs> asset builder who who created the stairs, we want to know how many stairs there are. Or if anyone can take the time. Please send us a voicemail. Yeah, look at the still frames and count exactly how many. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you will get a prize. And I love how Poe is such a fanboy. I mean, we were already introduced to that in the, kind of basically the opening scene, but it doesn't stop. And it's so cute. It's very endearing, yeah. You realize, like, oh, this is, like, what he's been, like, so excited for his whole life. This is the only thing he cares about. And it's happening. It's like when we met Don Bluth and we were so awkward. That was fantastic. Oh, yes. Just well, saying. we'll never talk about that again. <laughs> what? <laughs> So I, I one thing I love is he's definitely determined. Um, I make the analogy. It's like a Trekkie trying to get into the Star Trek panel at the H Hall of Comic-Con. Ever been to Comic-Con, you know that reference. But for real, I mean, it's he's getting there early, but not really because he had to work. But he he wants to be first person in line, you know, cheering him on, excited, getting into the big event and the doors are closed. If he just would have left that stupid cart behind, he would have been fine. Hey, these yeah. we have to make money here. Got to sell well, them noodles. He didn't make he didn't sell any one. <laughs> so, it was just extra baggage. Oh yeah, he didn't. He was like, "I don't want to sell noodles. I love kung fu." Kind of a nacho libre part, I guess. Mhm. Yeah, and so uh the universe brings us a new dragon warrior. He comes flying out of the sky. He came, yeah, Tai Long's like, I heard that he came flying to Earth in a ball of fire or something like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ugwe does not care if he is not one of the Furious Five. But he knows something that Ugwe, that, uh, he knows something that Shifu doesn't. No, he does not. But I can, I can imagine that Shifu seems really frustrated because he is afraid of Tai Lung. Well, and tiger. Yeah. Well, no, he's not a tiger. He's a a snow leopard. He's a snow tiger. Oh, he's a snow leopard. Okay. Mm-hmm. A little overkill for that jail, huh? Well, oh I mean, my gosh! As we see what happens. A thousand guards, one prisoner. One prisoner. I wonder if there's really a thousand guards shown in the prisoners' case. Okay. Again, if you worked on this scene, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> we need to talk to some kung fu panda artists. I know that the guy who designed Poe was a BYU graduate. That's why there's a giant Poe the Panda statue in uh, <laughs> in one of the buildings. Nice. And then, um, so that's Michael Clark Duncan as head rhino boss. And uh, <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I mean, he was the guy from The Green Mile. He did a couple of other movies. And uh, he always has the heartiest laugh. I love how he's just so confident and he keeps messing with that duck who's just totally terrified and does not want to be there. You know? <laughs> And then even when Tai Lung starts to escape, the duck's like, okay, I want to leave now. And he's like, no, you're not going anywhere. Neither is anyone. Nobody's going anywhere. A little stubborn, I guess. And no one seemed to have gotten killed in that big escape. It's very animation. It's just a very kids movie. Knocked out. (laughs) Well, we never know what happens to Tai Lung after the skadoosh. Oh, that's true. But anyway. But back in the cell and no geese are allowed to visit. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, because it was that his stupid tail. feather. They should have been like, "We're gonna have to search you for loose feathers, or something like that. We're gonna have to pluck you." I'm so ticked you... off that I'm molting. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so then we move in and we get the basically intimidation by Master Shifu, and he says, "If right. if he's still here in the morning, I haven't done my job." Yep. And this is he's sad. Determined to make him go away. And replace him with one of the Furious Five. I I love Shifu. Like, okay, for one, Dustin Hoffman's voice is like it's almost too epic for this film. <laughs> but also, I, I really like Shifu. He seems like one of the more complex characters. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really grumpy. He's like Shrek. He's like grumpy, but, but he also has layers that explain you know why he is the way he is. And of course, we have 
a little explanation of why he's so cranky. And why you he know. can't find inner peace. Ah, inner peace, inner peace. I really liked the conversation that this talked about, that this brought up about like inner peace and, you know, just type, those types of, of thoughts. I was like, yeah, that's cool, man. I'm very hippie, I guess, for that to <laughs> really strike me as cool, but I liked it. Well, he does have a lot of inner turmoil, you know. It turns out he feels a lot of guilt about Tai Long. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he'll, he'll never have another student that was like him, which is why he has this kind of love, like, kind of harsh relationship with Tigress because she, in the end, she didn't really replace Tai Long, although she's very talented. And she feels that pressure, too, you know. So, I don't know. I like I like Shifu because he's got, you know, he's got a lot of feelings. The feels. So he's got a lot of layers, too. <laughs> yep, feelings. Also, there is now a level zero. Uh-huh. As, as Poe demonstrates, <laughs> oh, I love that little sad. that little thing that he has to knock over. What we usually use that to train children and to prop up the door <laughs> when it gets hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! When he first walks into the Jade Palace and he's like looking at all the all of the artifacts, he's like, "I've only seen paintings of that painting." <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. So good. And then uh, when he the sword's so sharp you can cut yourself by looking. Like, Ow! <laughs> The invisible, like, hammer of this. Ooh. And he just stays there for a second looking at the invisible weapon. Again, uh, more yeah. fanboy no- moments. And then my favorite part, though, and which I thought was the greatest gag, was the whispering warriors in the vase, or vase. <laughs> and then it, like, knocks it over, and you just hear the, oh. you, you hear, yeah, and he keeps, like, stepping on it, and you keep hearing them all. <laughs> Uh, I really liked that. I noticed that on the on on this round watching it. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Oh, it made me laugh. I got a good chuckle out of that one. Yeah, and so uh, rough rough first day. And he's like, I don't know. I love his like awkward moment with Crane. We well, don't belong here, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, well, I know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I, no. I mean, like, this is where I sleep. Like, this is yeah. my bed. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll see you later. Crane. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> and then he just stands there for a second. He's like, "Oh man, did did you say something? Were you say something something to me? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. It is cute. So I noticed this um, in this scene, but I think it was just any time one of the felines was in darkness, like Tigress's eyes <laughs> kind of just gl- had this inner glow to them, which I thought was so cool. And then I noticed that uh, Tai Long had it as well, and I just thought it was a really neat effect. I don't think cat's eyes do that in real life, but it's cool they do it here. Well, they do when you shine a light in them. Well, yeah, but it doesn't have its own glow <laughs> outward. <laughs> so in CG land, they had a guy behind the camera flashing a, a flashlight in everyone's face. <laughs> <laughs> she just flat out says, you don't belong here. Like, mm-hmm. really? <laughs> Which is, I love that scene because the crane says it and it's a joke. Like, it's just misunderstanding, but she says it and she really means it. And so it makes it hurt that much more. Because yeah. you real you can kind of see like where he's falling among the group. Like some accept him, some partly accept him, and some do not. Yeah, but Tigress is kind of interesting because she's like really tough and she wants to be the best, and she's like the most focused probably out of the whole group, and yet she's still denied the title of Dragon Warrior. You know, mm-hmm. and they go into her character a lot more in the sequel, as we'll see. But I don't know. They could have taken in a direction where like her jealousy kind of drives her to betray Poe or like I don't know you know how some of that happens you know oh I know I'm glad and that they the, didn't in this the whole one, jealousy though. thing well yeah me too it's interesting the Furious Five they're kind of like very separate or very like detached from Poe but they're still a big part of the story you know mm-hmm. I don't think the storytellers had really found out a, a really really compelling way to use the Furious Five until the the sequel and Man, anyway. just want to jump to the sequel. Sorry, I, I just next well, week. Well, spoilers. Yeah, like next next episode. And don't no, spoil it for me because I'm not quite sure whether or not I've seen the sequel. I haven't or not. seen it. So okay, no spoilers. Po, no spoilers. Poe po dies and King Julian <laughs> saves the day. And Turbo is the uh, new the, dragon warrior. <laughs> the new dragon warrior. How to train your panda yeah. too. And then Hiccup lands on, on uh, he comes down on Toothless, and he's like, heard there were dragons here. But anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, rough night for Poe, and then at the same time, Tai Lung has like, now is the time to break from prison. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I think that's Ian McShane doing his voice. Yes. He should have been Jim Cummings. That would have been great. Uh, you, you're or a big he, Jim Cummings fan. So or am the I. Guy, or the guy who was Scar, who voiced Scar on, uh, on Jer- Lang. Jeremy Irons? Jeremy Irons, yeah. <laughs> Scar, what a guy. So then we go, since we've talked a little bit about Prison Break, the morning. Tai Lung is a platform master. Like, you got to be really good at platform games like Mario if you can... <laughs> jump, jump up things that are that are falling. Oh down. yeah, yes. There was also a game. The, the color. There was a Super Nintendo game, um, the Lion King Super Nintendo game. There's no, one scene where you're in the jungle where you had to jump up these platforms that were falling down a waterfall. And so as I was watching this, I was like, man, I remember that. That was really hard part of that game. <laughs> wow, Tai Lung is hardcore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I, I love the lighting in the. In the uh, the prison, you know, it's kind of this like subdued blue, but all the highlights are a red, you know, so it's very harsh. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for people who are colorblind who have to watch it. But so yeah, Tai Lung is is pretty cool, and he manages to not kill anyone, but still be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. That's the magic of animation, folks. <laughs> and know. then there's the inconvenient timing of the Grandmaster dying, um, since he really is the only one currently who can beat Tai Lung. And now he's gone, so good luck, Furious Five. He kind of just decided to, you know? Yeah. Well, time to fade away in a bunch of lotus (laughs) petals. But what a way to go. If I could choose my death, it would be by fading away into a bunch of lotus petals. I I guess. Yeah, sure, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyway. And so then the Furious Five go out to stop... Tai Lung, and initially it's just Tigress. She's going to do it on her own, but of course they're a team, so they all go together. So they're off battling, and then we go to the scene where, what's the master's name? The panda? Well, Shifu finally gives Poe a chance because he realizes that... uh Great, I have no other options. I don't have my backup anymore. Well, he has no other options, but also he notices that Poe actually has strengths, and that his weakness for food and for, you know... Being goofy is his greatest strength, you know? And so he, he knows how to get through to him now with dumplings, and he teaches him how to discipline himself and, and fight and basically visualize everything as if he were getting a dumpling. <laughs> Learn the rules of the game and play to win. He knows how to do this. He realized that he was going about training him the entirely the wrong way. He need to adjust. But at the same time, I love Poe's character because during the humiliation of being beat up by all the Furious Five and not being able to do anything. Like, instead of getting really down on himself, he's more like, this is so cool, I'm being beat up by my heroes! (laughs) You know? He has an extremely good attitude for how poorly he's doing. And I think any other character would have turned back at that point who who didn't have this, you know, who was at the skill, pathetic skill level that Poe was at. And so... I like him for that. He has this ability that he doesn't... He has, like, a lack of self-awareness to an extent that allows him to be... Kind of oblivious. Yeah. He's able to be resilient when this would bring most people down, but he it just, like, water off his back because he doesn't actually, I think, internalize, you know, what people are saying to him or, or the actual gravity of the situation. But that's... It's kind of like his his fatness. It's able to protect him from what really hurts. Yeah. Wait, can we go back to the the whole scene with him and the acupuncture? Then Titus comes in and says, and you keep coming in here, not even taking anything seriously. And then his face goes all wonkus and is like, no, 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 that was my fault. I I grabbed the nerve that messed with his face. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a good line. It was funny. That was pretty good. Yeah. And so eventually Poe kind of learns how to learns the ropes and um, finally he can eat, you know, and oh, my gosh. I think this is one of my favorite animated sequences ever, like where Shifu's like, you are free to eat, you know, and the little fight between him and him and Shifu is freaking hilarious. Like, could you imagine being an animator or like a story artist and like being like, hey, let's have him do this or let's have him do this. Like just thinking of really inventing like funny ways for them to go after each other with the dumplings. Like it goes down to them, like fighting with their chopsticks and like kicking each other's like flicking each other's fingers, you know, (laughs) Which comes into play later. This training sequence, I don't know how long it took Tai Lung to travel there um, and how long the Furious Five were out and whatnot, but this training seems way, way too short. It, it almost seems like it was a weekend sort of thing. 
that, did you guys get that impression? Yeah. Yeah, those, those montages never really have a good sense of time. Like, I feel like if they would have had, you know, seasons changing or something, then I would have got more of a feel for it. But because it felt like it was just like, oh, yeah, boom, few hours, we're done, you're good, master. You know, it, it didn't make me really believe the fact that he was really truly tra- trained. I mean, these... You know, the other members of the Furious Five have been training since they were, you know, cubs. And he just walks in and does it in a weekend. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, that, I did not like that. It didn't feel. It takes years to develop your split. Exactly. Um, okay, so then we go to the Dragon Scroll, which we finally get to see what is inside. And it's blank. And then I, I love uh, Poe. He's like, it's blank. Here, look. No, I am forbidden. And then he's just like, oh, screw it. And he looks. And he grabs it and looks at it. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a good scene. There's like, this movie's funny. Like, it's not the same type of humor as Shrek. No. But it just has these little tiny subtle moments that are funny. And there are non-subtle mo- moments that are explicitly funny as well. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what do you think about the message of the scroll being blank? To make something special, you have to believe it's special. That I'm, is a secret ingredient. I'm sitting here, and I'm... Hmm, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I agree with it, but what do you say? Oh, so you're probably not a fan of of celebrating mediocrity just to make them not... <laughs> just yeah, to make people yeah. not feel mediocre. I kind of have an issue, but I understand what it's saying. I think a lot of times things are special, but you're not acknowledging that it is. Right. So it's therefore it's not, but we shouldn't make everything special just because we're acknowledging everything to be special because then nothing is special. So huh. hmm. you should hang out with Brad Bird. <laughs> um, yeah, he's taught me well. I know when everyone's super, no one will be. But yeah, um, let's see. I don't think it really means that. I no, it's a different take on that, but not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as as literal and as gen. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't generalize to say to make something special. You just have to believe it's special. But um, well, Poe's conflict is that he doesn't want to be himself. You know, when he confides in Shifu that like he was like, I don't know. At the same, the the one thing that kept me going through like you trying to make me leave was possibly being able to prove improve under. Under you as my master, because I thought you could be the only person who could turn me to not be me, you know? Mm-hmm. I think Poe is aware that he's just a klutz and that he doesn't have any skill. But he wanted to pretend that he was something he wasn't. But in the end, it, w- it was more of a he didn't have to pretend or he didn't have to d- desire to not be himself because himself was what everyone needed, you know? So it was one of those, it, it literally is one of those unlikely hero themes that maybe doesn't apply. I don't, I don't want. I don't know. It sounds so mean to say that it doesn't apply to everyone, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I think that was Poe's think... deal was that he just had to believe in himself because it was destiny. Because he really was chosen to be the Dragon Warrior. I think a lot of it has to do with the phrase itself: "Is there is no secret ingredient." I mean, because a lot of the times, every time that they talked about the Dragon Scroll, the Dragon Scroll, the Dragon Scroll, it was almost like saying that there is the secret out there that you will only be fulfilled when you have that, when you have something bigger, when you have something better and greater. Um, that's when you have fulfillment. And then when you open it up and all you see is your own reflection, like this is what you need to have fulfillment, it's you. You need to be okay with you. And I think that was one of the major themes of it because, I mean, um, I keep wanting to say Chifu. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is his name? Shifu. Shifu. It's with an S, not a C. Yeah. Um, Shifu, he's been struggling with having inner peace this entire time. And a lot of times when we have problems with inner peace, it's because we, we think that we're, you know, trying to impress somebody or we're trying to reach a certain level that, I mean, later on it talks about pride. Like, all I wanted was for you to be proud of me. I was proud of you, and that blinded me from what you work becoming. And um, but I think that they, like everybody, is just kind of looking for somebody to acknowledge them and to just be approved of. And when it comes down to it, when you open it up, all you really need is to approve of yourself. That's what I got out of it. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Yeah, I like the there is no secret ingredient concept more than. 
to make something special, you just have to believe it's special. Because it, it's not like Poe didn't have to work. I mean, the montage lasted like five minutes, but <laughs> it's not like Poe didn't have to work hard to to improve himself. Um, I think the point was that the, the power to be a hero was in him and not necessarily in this mystical element that you have to that you have to find, you know, that's out there, you know. In other words, I guess you don't have to search very far to find excellence if you have the desire. Yeah. And you can you one you can believe that you're special um and that you have the power within you to to improve and uh and succeed and to fulfill your destiny as it were. Also there is this cool message of turning your weaknesses into strengths, which I'm a firm believer in. Oh yeah. Yes. Poe learns to use use his weight and use his his goofiness as his strength. Um, quick shout out. Speaking speaking of using his weight, and all I can think of is every time he got hit by something, you hear the boing. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I, I'm really a big fan of the sound editor on this movie. <laughs> Just it was yeah. fantastic. From the cricket little ee to boing. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, yes. Yeah, it was good sound design. And then we we were talking about Poe's like I don't know if it was humility, but just like you know, good attitude about things. And then you have Tai Lung, who is not very humble at all. He believes that he is rightfully the dragon warrior and he's going to take that right if he has to. Mm-hmm. Here's my question on age. He says he's been in captivity for about 20 years. How old do you think he was when he was, you know, arrested, quote unquote? Well, 18 or so, maybe. Yeah, 18 ish. But as this real life where a tiger or a snow leopard matures at age like three, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, eh. or I, I think imagine like he was basically becoming into adulthood. Yeah. This guy's probably 40. If we were to get rid of the animal age associations and just right. convert it to human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I I was just trying to figure out like, how old is everybody here? Cause like all of the fantastic five are 20 years younger. Yeah. The furious five. The furious yeah. five. I mean, are they fantastic. all? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they're all. That's like another 20. series, but there's only four of them, and that's different. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. So yeah. okay, so we have the final battle, basically, mm. um, the big ending, and there's Tai Long fights a lot of different people in this section. Yeah, he's gonna tear everything up, but first he wants that scroll, and he's gonna take it from Shifu. And poor Shifu doesn't. I don't think he. I don't think he wants to really defeat Tai Long, or he thinks he can. I, I think he just thinks that. He'll be defeated, but he'll buy enough time for all the villagers to get out of town. But Shifu's confrontation with Tai Lung is tragic because, like, Shifu realizes that he created the monster that Tai Lung became. You know, he pushed him too far to be the best. But also, at the same time, Tai Lung was greedy for power, you know, and he wanted that scroll so that he could be the dragon warrior. And he you know? said that all I wanted was your approval. And I'm like, at the same time, I'm thinking, Shifu gave a lot of approval to you. Like, you were you were buds. It was everybody else that he scrimped on the on the approval ratings. Well, maybe he, maybe he did. It, there was just that one moment when Tai Lung banished him, and Shifu could have spoken up and defended Tai Lung, mm. but, um, or when Ugwe banished him. But uh, Tai Lung, you know, he was kind of, he was kind of shut out. Uh, and that's what made him go on his rampage. So there is that kind of you see you see a moment when Tai Lung you you see that there could have been a good side to Tai Lung, or maybe there was just kind of like a a tortured soul kind of thing going on. But you know, no, he's too cruel, he's too angry, and so he's gonna finish off Shifu. And the, there's crazy, crazy kung fu moves being here used here. Like I I love that super slow motion where he throws a sword at Shifu and Shifu kind of deflects it, you know. But at the same time, he's watching his reflection in the in in the gla in the in the in the, the surface of the the sword and just really over the top kung fu stuff that I really like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of effort went into planning that scene. Yep. And then of course, you know, Tai Lung is about to de defeat Shifu, but then, hey, you, I, not quite, you know. <laughs> Who should show up but our unlikely hero? So pathetic, but awesome. And attractive. <laughs> There's so I love no him. charge for attractiveness. <laughs> or awesomeness. It's the other way around. <laughs> um, so he, I just love, he's like, he climbs up these stairs. He's still out of breath. Like nothing's really changed. But that's not, that's, doesn't matter because that's not his strength and that's not his power. His power comes from something else. And so, I mean, huge battle. 
and just his tubbiness <laughs> protects him and is quite a quite a quite an asset. He can bounce things around. He can sustain impact. Yeah, he's a good little warrior. Yeah, <laughs> and you know when you look at this, like there's like a million animated films with the whole unlikely hero or care. You know, the protagonist wants to be something he isn't. You know, and. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff, just off the top of my head, a, a snail who thinks he can do the Indy 500. <laughs> also by DreamWorks. <laughs> but this this one stands out among all the others because it's so solid and entertaining. Mm-hmm. I really think Jack Black really shines in this role. And um, this part is fun because he's actually having fun. And there's like, and his fight against Tai Lung because he's finally the hero that he wanted to be. He's living his dream. And he's actually doing pretty well, you know? Yeah. I love and the I, part I, where where the scroll gets lodged in this tree up on up on top of this building and he just envisions a dumpling and then all of a sudden he can go up and Tylon's yeah. like, No, the scroll has given him powers <laughs> He totally doesn't get it. That's so awesome. Um and then I love the conclusion of this whole epic battle is enter the skadoosh move. <laughs> and I remember when this movie came out, like, I think I, I maybe saw this with kids, but I remember Skadoosh was the big thing about this movie. It became the new thing was saying Skadoosh, mm-hmm. but it's just perfect because he's like, yeah, I figured it out. <laughs> and Tai Lung is freaking out because he knows the power of this move. You're lying. Oh, he's you may, you're making this up. And then <laughs> boom. You know what happens when I flex my pinky. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that totally like disintegrated Tai Long because it's not like they showed him back in jail, you know, like a Disney yeah. film or <laughs> maybe they're saving him for some future sequel. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I think as villains go, there's 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 better to come, much better to come. I'll just mm-hmm. say that. Yeah, in the Kung Fu Panda series, but but yeah, um I loved the quote at the very end when he's like, "Oh, I totally forgot about Shifu." We gotta go find him. So he like climbs up the stairs again. But then Shifu's like, "You're alive," or "We're both dead." <laughs> He's like, "No, Shifu, master, you can't die. I'm not dying, you idiot." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> dragon warrior. I found inner peace. Oh, good old Shifu. It happened. The times. And he's like, now let me let me lie down. He's like, so you probably don't want me to talk. If you can help it. <laughs> he's like, finally, after like a minute, he's like, uh, do you want to go get some food? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. When you're working with the Poe, you just got to go with the flow. Even though you spent your whole life trying to find inner peace. Nope. Yeah. It's time to move on from that. Yeah. Okay. So then we move into these. Um, another the book ends this film we have amazing opening and a yet amazing uh finale with the end credits ah so much love for the 2d credits i just think it's so awesome because we're we're always talking about 2d 2d wish we could have 2d and you know the studios don't want it man they don't want to do it for you know the whole film but just when they give us this taste in the credits like i'm satisfied i'm satiated i can i can handle it for now I mean, yes i'd like to see a full movie but yeah this works well a lot of the cartoons that are on like netflix and stuff are in a 2d style oh, yeah i couldn't tell if that was CeeLo green or jack black singing in the end <laughs> that was the biggest thing when it when it first started out at the time i'll be honest i had no idea who CeeLo green was like i just the only reason i knew who he was now is because i started watching the voice and I was like, hey, who is this guy? And who with all the crazy costumes and whatnot. Um, My brother. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not much of a fan. But then I started hearing a couple of his songs and like being like, oh, that song or that song. But yeah, the moment this ended, it it pops up and I'm like, is that CeeLo Green? <laughs> I was like, oh, I had <laughs> no idea that that's who I'd been listening to this whole all these years. Yeah, so the credits are cool. And then there's a, a tiny little scene at the very, very end. There is? There is, yeah. Oh, I yeah, missed it. I went to uh, bed. I watched this really late. <laughs> it it kind of connects to that seed that, that Shifu planted, you know, in anger, because he's arguing with, with uh, Uguay that, you know, Uguay argues that you can't control anything, really, but and he uses the the tree, you know, as an allegory, and then uh, Shifu is like, yeah, but I can, like, choose when the fruit falls, and I can plant mm-hmm. me a seed, and I can choose how I do that. Uh-huh. So, you know, he, he kind of mashes that one seed in the ground. So by the end, you see that by the tree, the the seed has sprouted. It's a little plant now. Aw. 
And they are sitting there eating dumplings together. Oh, and they're sharing their dumplings. So cute. The cuter. Dumplings. I like it. Yeah. So anyway, I I really like this film. And I I don't know if I like this one or the sequel even more, but now I'm excited to to go into Kung Fu Panda 2. Right away. Back to back. Back to back. So let's rate it, shall we? Let's. We shall. I'm going to give this film four stars. I really didn't know where to put it because I really liked it. The whole thing. I just, I don't know. It was, I, I couldn't give it a five star because it was not quite to the five star rating for me. Um, and yeah, I, I felt like it was a good solid four stars. Very good. I'm also going to give it four stars. I think this movie is great. It's funny. The characters are really memorable. Um, I love Poe. I can't wait to see him again in the sequel. Um, I love Master Shifu. I love the villain. And I do agree with Mason. The actual Furious Five, who are supposed to be these big epic characters, kind of are flat, except for Tiger. She kind of has the most uh, depth to her. But, you know, as a group, they're really not that great. But everything around this movie is just, it's its great. It's really streamlined. I love the story that it tells. Um, so four stars. Yep. Uh, I think four stars for me, too. Like, I don't know. And I think for the same exact reasons that Morgan said, like the Furious Five could have been expanded a little more, but all in all, it was extremely masterful animation and really cool use of light and color, especially the color. Like, I don't know, there's some of these scenes where they, they're zoomed out and you see these beautiful picturesque, you know, mountains in China and, and all the colors and stuff. And it all just, um, of course, I know a lot of that is matte painting, but, um, just how the artwork all comes together into this cohesive production just is really beautiful so yeah four stars it's a, a really really good film hey morgan mason and chelsea it's mark just want to say I'm glad you guys are finally reviewing Kung Fu Panda. It's one of my favorite DreamWorks films. Actually, probably my number three favorite uh, DreamWorks film. And it's actually my dad's favorite uh, DreamWorks animation film. So we'll be looking forward to listening to this. Thanks. Okay, so on Twitter, we asked our listeners to give us their thoughts on this film. And the question today was, which member of the Furious Five is your favorite and why? And we got someone saying, Timmy the dog, hashtag fail. And none of us really understand this. So yeah, we're just going to move on. <laughs> Next. I don't think this person's seen the movie, and that's why. Maybe? Oh. I don't know. Oh. Daniel C. says, Mantis, size doesn't matter. And Crystal, uh, who spells her Crystal with a D, says, Tigress, because she tried so hard to get what she wanted. And even when she didn't, she learned to accept it. Uh-huh. Oh, that's great. Gianna Lee also agrees. Tigress, she's strong-willed and knows what she wants, but also has a soft side to her that I hope will be seen more in Kung Fu Panda 3. And then uh, Marky Mark Brown says, I'm not really ecstatic about any and much prefer the other characters of the film, but if I had to pick maybe Mantis, I'd pick him mostly because I remember his lines best, and they were amusing. Eric tweets, Monkey, because he is voiced by legendary martial arts actor Jackie Chan. And lastly, Princess Gem says, Tigress and Viper. Tigress being the best, but had great development in Viper because she always has a good heart, spot, despite not being the main focus of the film. It clearly showed. Oh, yeah, Viper was really sweet. She was a sweetheart. She's really cute. Sweet. I love her flower. And she also rocks the lipstick while she's fighting. guys that is all we have for this episode of the animation addicts podcast if you are interested in show notes and to join the discussion to give us your review of this film go to rotoscopers.com slash 90 we are in the 90s guys we should just do a whole bunch of 90s movies just for fun <laughs> disney movies that were okay at 91 will be beauty and the we Beast, really should okay? 92 will be aladdin <laughs> 93 will be i think uh rescuers down under two or rescuers down under anyways Anyways, that's just a pipe dream right now. Our next episode actually is going to be Kung Fu Panda 2, so be sure to send in your voicemails at rotoscopers.com slash voicemails, or you can dial in at 406-646-ROTO. 
Also, be sure to support the show using our Amazon affiliate links, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. And if you're interested in audiobooks, rotoscopers.com slash Audible. And if you love t-shirt and fun Rotoscopers memorabilia, go to rotoscopers.com slash store. And one quick reminder, I mentioned this at the beginning, but guys, we are nominated for the podcast awards. This is a huge honor. We are up against some big competition. And we were nominated last year for just one podcast award. And this year, we were actually nominated for two which this all goes to show you guys nominated us got us in the top 10 for each category so thank you thank you thank you so the two categories that we are nominated in the first one is best produced and guys can I just tell you the best produced podcast this is a tough tough category we were up against shows like the Adam Carolla show and this he's a full-time podcaster he gets paid to podcast and he has a crew of people who are paid to help make sure that his show is best produced. And then the other category that we are nominated in is movies slash film. Again, we're up against some amazing podcasts such as Schmo's Nose and The Film Sack. Just, you know, there's a lot of good, really cool people out there talking about movies. But the coolest thing about this, guys, is a lot of these big podcasters, yes, they get nominated, but a lot of times they don't really care about the awards and they don't let their fans know to vote. And as a result, they don't win. So this is where you guys come in, us and our amazing Roto community. We are here together and we can make this happen this year. To sweeten the pot a little, we decided that if we win one of the podcast awards this year, that we are going to do listener choice episodes for the rest of 2015. That is huge because we get emails all the time saying, oh, could you review this movie or this movie or this one's my favorite? And there's just too many to get to. But if we win, then that can finally happen. What we'll end up doing is we'll probably have a poll on the website or just a random drawing where you can submit through a survey and then we'll randomly pick somebody in the movie that they suggested and then we'll go ahead and do it. So vote, 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 vote. We need your help. You Voting is easy. Every single day from now until March 24th, just go to podcastawards.com and then vote for us in Best Produced and Movie Slash Film. You just have to put in your name and email address and click submit and then you will get a confirmation email to verify your vote so that's very important um, at the beginning of the podcast awards some things were messed up and that wasn't working correctly so that's why they extended the date to the 24th so make sure to verify your vote if you're not getting it check in your spam folder it's probably getting lost in there but yeah voting is so easy you can even set a reminder on your phone with Siri and say Siri can you remind me every single day at 10 a.m. to vote for the podcast awards and she'll do it it's so easy guys vote for us podcastawards.com fingers crossed and thank you guys so much Again, thank you so much, guys, for listening to us. Um, I'm Morgan Stradling. You can find me on Twitter at Morgan Stradling. You can find me, Chelsea Robson, on Twitter at Chelsea Robson. Mason. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we're mixing and, it up. Uh, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Mason, S-M-T-X, and uh, same on Instagram. You can check out my pro- semi-professional school portfolio, masonsmithportfolio.com. So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Let us know in the show notes again what you think about this episode. And until next time, we are the Rotoscopers. Sorry, there's a delay, clearly. No, I think you guys are just talking over each other. Or not? Que pasó? She went away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, and actually, our very own Steve Hickner um, did a lot of the story story art for them. Yeah, Steve, our very own. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> <him>. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> yeah, we own him now. <laughs> we own the rights to Steve Hickner. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, in the uh, the prison, you know, it's kind of this like subdued blue, but all the highlights are, are red, you know, so it's very harsh. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for people who are colorblind who have to watch it. But um, is the dress blue and black or white? Oh, and gold? don't no, don't even. date our podcast. <laughs> don't even podcast foul. <laughs> no kidding, man. But anyway, um, so yeah, Tai Lung is is pretty cool, and he manages to not kill anyone but still be the bad guy. <laughs>